Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, when we think about influencing people around us, a lot of times when we ask the question, are you in sales, many of you never put your hands up. They say, well, I'm not in sales. But think about it. If you're a parent, is your spouse trying to sell you on a restaurant? If you uh, are working with other individuals and colleagues, are you trying to sell your ideas to them? I am privileged, as we are every week to have, not every week, but many weeks, have great guests on our shows, and I'm proud and excited to have our next guest, who's a friend, a colleague, a licensed associate of CRG, uh, Mr. Brad Tanini, all the way from down under in Melbourne, Australia. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Wonderful to be with you today. And um, your, your introduction and uh, talking about sales is music to my ears. I think we're all in the business of sales. Uh, everybody isn't around influencing. That's your expertise. I mean, you've uh, been part of the Professional uh, Speakers Association of Australia as the president. You've won their highest accolades award. So you've really been in this for many, many years, nearly 20 years. And so your, your expertise is really helping people to build trust. Before we kind of go into your expertise around influence and communicating and really helping people the ability to be successful in any other any context of influence, and then we'll for sure at the end of the show really talk about selling and buying styles and how that works for them. But Brad, just just help the audience know who's Brad Tanini. Where'd you come from? As far as what what led you into this space of being an expert in sales training, sales management in this area of influence. Ken, it's very simple. My dad was a great salesman, and uh, I was born into sales. He uh, he used to give me motivational talks across the breakfast table in between uh, pasta Vegemite, which is an Australian spread. Oh, uh, I I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody likes it, though. That's that's true. That's true. I used to get these lessons across the breakfast table, and he'd say, you know, you can do anything you like. You can achieve anything you like. Just go out there and do it. But he used to also, also talk to me about things like, you know, the, the fact that the value of trust and the, and the fact that, you know, uh, uh, we've got to be generous and curious and unambiguous in life. And, and these are all great lessons in sales. So I used to get sales calls with him when I was sort of 17, 18, 19. Uh, I, I deferred university for a while, and, and, and they were the great lessons of life. I got to learn the, the school of hard knocks. And, uh, well, so your dad was a role model. What was, he, what was his uh, area that he was selling in, or was it a different area? He started out selling electrical appliances out of a shop front in a little uh, street uh, not far from here, and uh, in later life was uh, a great incentive marketer and um, group travel marketer. He used to take uh, uh, groups of dealers and franchisees across the world uh, for conferences, and that was his business, travel. Oh, wow. Boy, isn't that really a tough one, huh? Just to sell uh, group travel and just go along with it. <laughs> creating your own free trip to build that in. So that's so that's awesome. And then from there, so did after, you know, your your schooling, did you go directly into sales? What did you do? Yeah, I did. I, I, I was very much into sales from sort of nineteen years of age, you know, selling uh 
a whole range of different things. And over the years, I've sold, you know, promotional products and diaries and executive gifts and uh, now training, of course, and, and, and consulting. But, you know, I, I, just, I just find that sales is one of those areas that's just, uh, it, it fascinates me. And, uh, and from a very young age, I was always fascinated in the buyer-seller relationship, very fascinated about the influence and persuasion, the, the ability to develop trust, all those things. Well, that's awesome. And so now, Brad, you know, you've moved into being a professional developer of others to really help them with their their sales and their influencing skills. What what really transitioned for you? What caused you to kind of get into this space? Well, I was actually a Dale Carnegie instructor in my early twenties. You may know Carnegie, of course, over there. How do we Of course, people. Of course. Yeah, well, I was a trainer with him for seven and a half years, and I was teaching their human relations, leadership, public speaking courses. And uh, I love getting on my feet and talking in front of people and working with middle-level executives in their 30s and 40s who just hit the wall and couldn't go any further in their, uh, in their business because they couldn't develop their ideas and speak in front of groups. And so we used to have, you know, 30, 40 people in, a, in a 14 nights, uh, one night a week, uh, just learning how to develop the uh, skill and the confidence to speak in front of a group. So that's what started for me Ken I, I really love the idea of being in front of a group and helping others and then from there transitioning into you know how to help sales people sales managers and business owners oh awesome and now that being really your core business so you know thanks for that Brad and of course you have uh, three lovely awesome children and when we first got to know each other we we're just talking before we got on the show it, you mean your twins weren't even born yet so how quickly that occurs, and so that's just great to have a, an awesome family that kind of backstops that and motivates you as well. Well, it's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? People often say, you know, they grow, so, grow up so quickly. Um, I, I can tell you right now that those, those early years of twins, though, Ken, um, you know, when you're getting up in the middle of the night and doing the, the feeds and everything else, life wasn't going that quick back then, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. It's a good thing you didn't have triplets, then, is my, is my point to that one. So I suspect you were <laughs> thankful. Well, well, that being said, Brad, I just want to ask, you know, doing so much training and then some of your work, uh, you know, as an expert is really being in a long-term embedded relationship with clients. So you get to see what's going on in, in your observation and your opinion, what are you seeing in terms of the deficits or the things that sales professionals or in the other individuals who are not being successful in influencing others, what's missing? What, what are they not doing? What is, what is sort of the gap, the disconnect for them in their skills and their capabilities and, and just their implementation? Essentially, what I do is I transform sales teams into teams of trusted advisors. And in doing that, what I do is I get them to focus on things that I think are just not operational selling, but much more strategic and tactical selling. What does that mean? Well, it means things like, you know, creating value for your customer, your ability to be, you know, strategic thinker, uh, your ability to be able to uh, package up, promote and sell trust. And I really believe the trust is the, the missing link between operational salespeople and people who are operating at the very top of their game. I, I, I work with some great people, Ken. I get some people who are, you know, are just starting out in sales. I get people who are very experienced in sales, people mm -hmm. who have been around for a long time. And one of the things I see that's a commonality of the people who really success in, uh, succeed in sales is the ability to, to, to develop trust. And, and then build longevity off that. And so they, they, they think differently, they act differently, but they also look at this long-term relationship and how they can get referrals and a whole range of things off the back end. So, you know, it's not transactional, it's transformational selling. Mm. And so would you say that those individuals that are not being effective really just kind of miss this 
component, this insight, this approach? Well, they, they, they're very much transactional in terms of uh, moving product or moving hours if you're talking about professional services. Whereas, you know, when you talk about transformational selling and, and the idea of being a trusted advisor in selling, you're really thinking about how can you be a part of that person's change in life and their circumstances or, or maybe their business outcomes. I mean, they, they, you know, maybe more top line, more bottom line, uh, you know, better uh, pro- production or processes or helping leadership or whatever it is you do. It's all about how you can move someone to a desired state out of their current state. And so, okay, how do we do that? And that's where, uh, you know, great strategic thinking, trusted advisors act differently. Mm. And so what would be some of those things where I act differently, Brad? What's my mindset as one of those trusted advisors that maybe some of the other people have not really acquired or moved into yet? Well, one of the things you're thinking about as a trusted advisor is you're thinking long-term. You're thinking strategic and long-term so that every client relationship you take on the front end, you're going to be really monetizing that over the course of you know two or three cycles of purchase. So you could be talking about 10 to 20 years of that person being a customer to me. The people who don't think that way, in, out, one transaction, and they're moving on to the next sale. So that's one of the key parts of being that trusted advisor. The second one, I think, is, is actually taking a genuine interest. You know, my dad said to me right from the start, he said, be generous, be curious, be unambiguous. And I think they were really good lessons. In other words, when you're really generous and you are curious about other people, then you, you get involved. You, you, you really are involved in, in what really motivates them. Uh, and that comes back to style, which we'll talk about later. Um, so you, you take this genuine interest, which is a much deeper interest, and I guess the third thing is that I, I think you, you, know, you move away from what's a traditional rote-learn process into being a chameleon in terms of you know, making sure that you're there for the buyer and moving in any direction, being flexible. But did you have a process that's learned but not obvious? In other words, you, know, you have a trusted process you know that, take, that, that will move a buyer to buy, but you are you know, able to do that in such a way that it sounds conversational, not rote-learned. So you just really got to love telemarketers, don't you? When they have their script in front of you, <laughs> they really come to it. I want to back up to, Brad, this word generous. What do you mean by generous? I, I, I want to be generous. I'm, you've just walked into my retail store. How am I generous? What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think you, you take a genuine interest in, in, in the first place. Now, we've always been talked about you know, stimulating your buyer to make sure they're actually interested in, in being there in the first place, whether it be business to business or business um, uh, consumer. But what I'm looking for is I'm looking for salespeople who, who really are um, interested by asking the right questions of people, which are you know, developing that rapport at a deeper level rather than just rote learn questions. And I think sometimes we've got to throw the script out the window and say, okay, you know, where's this person at, you know, and what, what's, really, what's really exciting them. And that's the reason why style's so exciting because, of course, you know, you, you taught me way back seven years ago that, you know, there are certain things that are dead giveaways of different styles. There are certain mm. thing, behaviors that are, are, you know, are obvious behaviors of different styles. And if you can pick up on that, in the first four or five or six or ten minutes, and I, I try to do that in my workshops and teach people this, that, that you will develop a very, you know, a, a very deep rapport very quickly. Mm. So, and this is, the, oh, I want to go here, uh, Brad, for a minute before we get into, get into the style stuff, is you said something, and I'm just curious about how you actually teach teach communications or conversational skills where I show genuine interest. What has your been experience when people naturally don't have that? 
what has what have you done to help people to be able to achieve that? Well, I think sales is all about language, Ken. I think that uh, our ability to be able to talk in certain words and phrases and questions that uh, are much more trusted advisor-type positioning questions and, and phrases and words, it, it, it changes the ballgame. So, you know, I, I see salespeople that are much more into the, uh, the one-step one sale, trying to, you know, uh, in some ways influence and persuade to get that sale done within, the, you know, 10 minutes or, or an hour if they're selling a bit more of an, a, a more or a premium product and their conversation is different you know it's about uh, deals it's about um, you know doing a quote it's about uh, um, telling much more than asking and then yet the trusted advisor will be talking about you know how we can get you involved in our solution how we can uh, uh, build a, um, a proposal for you the, all these words to me it, it changes the game it, it, it's language and if we can get really good at language I think it uh, it positions is right from the start of being that person who is genuinely interested. Um, you know, my, my dad said to me, when you do business or business selling, Brad, he said, most people, when they're out there and they're running late for an appointment, he said, you know, the worst thing you can say to someone is I'm running late. He said, why don't you say to your prospect or buyer, I'm running a little behind schedule. Now, to me, that's a, a really interesting fundamental, but the thing is, it's language. It, it says, if I'm running behind schedule, hey, I'm a person who's got a pretty busy schedule. I've got a lot on right now. I've got, I got lots of customers to go and see. It's not about being late because that means I can't organize myself. So language is the key. And a lot of people are not paying attention to their language if they're not being effective. Absolutely. And, and you see that the people who are operational salespeople who are never really grasping this idea of going deeper into sales and getting great results, are really not spending enough time learning great words, phrases, questions. You've got to be a student of sales. You've got to really study all the different things you can find, all the great books on sales that, that give you language that you feel comfortable mm. with that, that resonates with your buyer. Oh, I love your word, Brad. A student of sales. Heaven forbid that I'd actually have to work and pay attention and actually grow as a sales professional, not to be cynical at all. <laughs> well... <laughs> If you're actually staying in one place, Ken, I've got to tell you, the world's passing you by as a salesperson. You better keep learning because, uh, you know, there are some people who I, who I have in my classrooms that have been in business or have been in sales for 30 years, and I, and I really can see that they haven't updated their skills. They haven't continually looked at the way in which selling is done today. And they're still talking in language 30 years ago. And so you need to keep improving every year. You need to keep mm. learning from, from people who are great at the stuff. Yeah, there's an old saying, which I know you're familiar with, is that, so well, I've been in sales for 30 years, yes, but you did, you've repeated the one year of experience over 30 times versus 30 years of experience. And you've mentioned and that's something that's... Mm. It, it is. It's so, you know, we want constantly want to be evolving in, you know, these books, and, we, and, you know, we're both of us are part of the Professional Speaking Association, and we've had many people in the past that like 400 ways to close the sale. We know that really uh, asking for the order and close, closing the sale is really passe, it's gone, is that if I build this, there's a word that you use, and that's around building rapport. I want to share a short story. I'm interviewing you, Brad, but I want to share a story so we can trans, you know, transition into this idea about how important style is. Uh, for all the listeners here, when it comes to building any kind of relationship or rapport, I belong to a, a sort of peer group, and I happen to be in this uh, this meeting in Philadelphia, and we're introduced to the individual who claims to be Brad, the number one salesperson in the world. And so he got actually got up and he told his story, and he had sat 
the record as the number one sales performer in five out of the seven industries that he's ever sold in. So all-time records of the most sold at any time. And, and so we had lunch, and, and we chatted about that, and I just really wanted to pick his brain about what he thought he was doing. He says, listen, this is all about building rapport. People buy from people they like. He says, I just have fun. I really don't care if you buy from me because I'm just here to really share with you the information. And yes, I'll move you along the process. But my quest isn't to sell you. My quest is to really get to know you. And here is a person who has proven it. And by the way, Brad, just so you know, his sales commissions in seven years was just under $8 million. So he has been successful in it. He's proven that. But it leads us into what we're talking about today is that he says, my number one thing is I just get people to like me. People don't buy from people they dislike. And what was your word? Rapport, right, Brad? Yeah, I think the the old saying I got taught was, you know, people buy from people they like and trust. And I think that that's certainly true. I mean, you know, the likability factor, Ken, is such a big deal in terms of sales. You've got to be likable. And there's a lot of things you can do to be likable, but uh, people sometimes are just not as likable. No, they're not. And they're not paying attention. And then the other one is, is when we think about rapport. So, you know, when, as, as part of this, the whole theme, what you're saying, Brad, is that, you know, I need to move my mindset from this transactional kind of scripted world to this natural conversational world and thinking about long term. And as uh, there will be people listening to us where, you know, influencing of your significant other, you know, what movie to go to, and not that we're trying to have you manipulate them. We have some transactional sellers. When I meet, what we mean by that is you sell a product to a person in a retail environment. You might or might not ever see them before again. Or you might have a situation such as you where you are really reoccurring in your relationship with them, which is an ongoing relationship with a sales rep. So I used to, in my background, used to have do selling. And that was my customers bought from me every month if they continued to do business with me. So with that being said, uh, I just wanted you to lead off, Brad. You started to use the sales style indicator uh, with the with sales professionals to help them understand their selling style and also to help them understand the buying style. So what, how valuable has that core awareness been around building relationships, building rapport, and building trust? Well, I think for me, you know, you and I met seven years ago, and um, in that process, when I, when, I, when I did the certification with you, the thing that really appealed to me was understanding a lot about myself as well as the relationship with buyer and blending style to be able to make sure we build rapport and build relationship. Now, it wasn't that I wasn't already doing that and already thinking about that and had been selling for 20 years before that, but what you did was you brought it into the consciousness. And to me, when I work with style, and I teach people style, it is still one of the most rewarding, most enriching, most um, uh, unbelievable experiences when I see a salesperson in front of me go, wow, now this makes sense. This is the reason why I achieve this, and this is the reason why I don't achieve that. And it's really quite incredible when you look at style and you think, you know, what are the attributes of my particular blend and what are the particular attributes or the style of the person who might be in front of me? And how do I make sure that I try to blend this conversation? 
And to me, that, that changed my life as a trainer, as a speaker, as a strategist. But it also changed, it, it sort of validated in a lot of ways a lot of the things that maybe I've been doing up till then were through mentors and my father and just the School of Hard Knocks about sales. And I think if we can grasp this idea of how to understand our style, the style of the bar in front of us, and to be really conscious of what we're doing, then we will absolutely increase our success rate in sales. And so consciousness really becomes part of it. One of the words you used earlier, Brad, was flexibility. So some people are inherently flexible but don't necessarily have a framework or an understanding about what's going on. So what you, you have recognized, which is the work now I've been around the personal style indicator just getting close and the sales style indicator getting close to 30 years, is that it's transformational that it all of a sudden it creates this consciousness and awareness that I can then do something about it, that I can have this clear understanding about what my selling strengths are, what my selling deficiencies are. Interesting, uh, Brad, one of the things, you know, we said we'd go back and forth on this. My experience with many uh, salespeople is that they know that they missed the mark with the, that client, but they had no way to really put it in words prior to the sales style indicator. They, they couldn't figure out where the disconnect was. But then once they understood their selling style and that the customer's buying style was different than theirs, then all of a sudden it was this aha and says, okay, that is just, you know, it's, it's nothing wrong with me. I just didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know. Well, I think that what, what happens when you look at the sales style indicator and you understand how style plays such a role in sales is that you actually start to really you know, think about the way you've come across to the buyer, you then, uh, well, my dad said to me, he said, when you go back to your, your car after you've done a business-to-business -business appointment, Brad, he said, get your pen and paper out and actually write down the three things you could have done better so that you can actually learn from every sales call, even if you've got the order, even if they agreed to the business. And so I've always lived by that principle, but I've also lived by that principle, Ken, in the classroom when I'm actually delivering training or speaking or doing a presentation at a conference, is what three things could I have done better? Now, the idea of style is that that comes into those three things. In other words, not just did I get my product right, did I get my pitch right, did I, did I talk in a, in a certain way, but I'm actually looking now and have been for many years at this, this idea of how did I actually bring my message to the people in the group or how did I actually bring my message to that buyer? Did I connect with them? Why didn't I connect with them? And then we get into things like you know, the four different styles and you can then see, see where there may have been a disconnect between your inherent um, style that you have br being brought to the sales process and the person in front of you. And you know from my style that, you know, very high behavioral uh, with a fairly high cognitive behind it. Well, that means I'm on the facts curve. And being on the facts curve, it means sometimes I need to take a little more time working with the people in front of me to actually have the patience and to go deeper into that relationship so that I can build long-term rapport. So it actually was a great awareness for me, but also for the people I work with uh, in the groups that I, that I talk to. Mm. And if you know, we think about, so we can pick on each other now a little bit, Brad, it's some fun because <laughs> we've been in this for a bit. You know, that intensity in some cases, though you have the facts and you're really helping them and you're being sincere, if we don't dial it down, then that could be intimidating for people who have uh, less sort of drive and focus as you might have. So you're just saying, you Absolutely. know what, it's not that I'm not going to get the sale. I just, need, I just need to back off a bit. It's interesting when you look at these four styles, Ken, and you, and you start thinking about, what it is that these styles need to be aware of. And, and every time I do the, the, the style prof, profile process with my clients, 
they, uh, you know, we, we have them in different groups and we, we, we have to generalize for the sake of a, a two hour exercise. But, you know, you know, if you had more time, you would go deeper into every blend and make sure that we, you know, are able to custom make to every person in the group. But sometimes you've got 30 to 50 people in a group. So we, we, we tend to group people and I, and I say, okay, let's talk about behaviorals in terms of style, the action oriented sort of style. Well, you know, being more patient, taking the time, really understanding the objections you're getting, uh, you know, ease off on your closing and go deeper on your communication. If I'm talking to a group over here in the room, which is all about effective style, I'm saying, you know, get to the point, better clarity, uh, do the preparation, um, get more tactical about your account growth and things rather than just the, the talking side. Interpersonals, I'm uh, in a group in a room and I'll say, okay, you know, call prospects on the procrastination more because you're getting caught up in the fact that they're just procrastinating in the sales process in terms of buying from you. Um, be more ruthless with the pipeline by taking more risks. Um, recognize it's a numbers game to a degree. Move on when you haven't got a buyer who wants to go ahead. And you start working through these, these styles and you go, okay, now each one of these styles have their own challenges, but they also have an action attached to it. Cognitives. You know, <laughs> you know it doesn't have to be perfect. Go with 95%. That's okay. You know, less, less detail required, but more connection to your buyer is something I often say. And the third one for a cognitive, you know, engage the sales manager or the business owner if they're your, the, the, the direct person up the tree from you to have a conversation with and, and, and share your concerns about where you are because I find that any cognitive salesperson I have worked with up till now, they withdraw. They, they, they just don't share. They actually stew on stuff. So what I'm saying mm. is that each of these styles have this awareness factor about what you could be doing differently and how you could be getting bigger results. And so when you really tap into that, you come up with your own action plan, you go, okay, these are the three, four, five things I need to be constantly aware of. And if I am, I will absolutely increase my performance. And uh Guaranteed, guaranteed. I think this is good to, in good summary, well done, Brad, is um, when we created the sales training program for Chrysler, and it was the highest rated sales training program in history, called Why Don't You Sell the Way That I, that, uh, I Buy, based on the sales style indicator which you're talking about. We took it into a test dealership. And then what we did is we were running about, they were running about a 12% close ratio, Brad, and they were having about 900, nearly 1,000 prospects come through the dealership per day, or not per day, per month. And then we were able to move the close ratio using this technology to 16%. So I always ask the question when I do sales training, so well, how many people are still saying no to the salespeople? 84%, right? But if I have four points, that's actually 30% increase in closed um, uh, sort of capabilities or numbers. And if I take that four times 1,000 uh, per month, how much is that? That's 40 deals, right? And then 40 deals times 12 months, right? Now I move, and then you times 2,000 on the gross profit. So we were talking about $1 to $1.2 million worth of business, that this one dealership was able to uh, gain by simply paying attention to the customers, not only being aware of the selling style, but then you know we can go to the other side about what the different styles need from a buying style. And the other part that you uh, that is so important for this, Brad, 
it, I know that you teach this, is that sales managers don't necessarily get this either. So even how they coach the salespeople, usually they'll coach them on how they like to sell, which could actually be detrimental to the global sort of effectiveness with different buying styles. Well, you're making some great points. I mean, I think that the, the first thing I heard from you just then was the fact that, the, that if you get an understanding of this work, the technology, the, uh, and it doesn't take a long time to become pretty good at this stuff, you know, in terms of actually understanding how to communicate with your buyer, that if you can, you'll get a huge return on investment. And in terms of the work you and I do and, 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 the, and the people we work with and, and your, your example of 4% increased close rate, I mean, that, that to me gives, uh, gives people like you and I a great value multiple on what we do. And, and, you know, I often say to people, if you use my services, I want to get you a 10 times value multiple. You pay, a, you know, pay certain money to me, I'm going to get you 10 times. So the, the, the point is that if we can move a, a group of people into thinking this way, then the close rates will go up. And I, I would actually add to that too, Ken, and say perhaps depending upon what you're selling, the average order value will also go up as well. So you know, not only will we actually get more sales, but I think you'll actually find you'll get more margin in each sale too if you can develop this rapport and understanding of style. I just want to get to your second point. The second point about the idea of being a sales manager. I, I, I have a, a program called the Trusted Sales Leader. And what I do is I work with sales, uh, sales managers to really become this trusted sales leader by understanding a few fundamentals. One is that you, know, you need to have a strategic mindset as a, as a trusted sales leader. You need to be able to lead the sales team and motivate them to results and also lead the sales process. They're the fundamental jobs of a great trusted sales leader. Here's my point. The trusted sales leader must understand how to get the best out of their people. And there's no point in just thinking that every person in the team is going to be the same. You're going to have some people who are going to be behavioral style, some that are going to be cognitive, some that are going to be personal, and some that maybe are going to be uh, very much effective, or a blend, obviously, of all those different styles. But you're going to have to talk to them differently. And, and each person in the team is going to want to hear a different message. Now, you, know, you, you may or may not be aware of the Australian rules football, but we've just, we've just had our premiership down here, and the coach who, who had the, the team that won the premiership in Australian rules football um, was a guy named Luke Beveridge. And he was an unknown coach to AFL at the senior level. But he's got a team up from seventh that was, was finishing seventh in the season that actually won the premiership. And they had not won a premiership since 1961. 61. You can imagine our town went berserk with this. I mean, it was just unbelievable. They weren't expected to win. But one of the things about him is he was understated. He was very much a conversationalist who, who really understood people and got underneath uh, uh, the motivation of each person. And I have a feeling he probably understood a fair bit about style because he understood how to get the best out of people that weren't necessarily the best players in the, in the, in the um, AFL, but they were just good players, but he got the best out of them. And it wasn't about rah-rah motivation. Whenever they had you know, video footage of him talking to the guys in the room and, and showing us, actually, some of the messages he was giving him. It was very, very deliberate, but very, very targeted in his message. So the point I'm making is this whole idea of being a trusted sales leader, a great sales manager, is you need to understand what it is that motivates each person in the room in your sales team and how to talk to their style to get the best out of them. And, you know, that would apply, Brad, to any context, not just sales leaders, I could just be the manager or, or founder or an owner of a company, and you're listening to this and say, guess what, this applies to everybody on your team. You know, it's certainly not a magic pill, 
but it's a powerful pill. And so I just, uh, you know, preface that is that, <laughs> you know, you can have style flexibility, but if you don't develop conversational skills or the language adjustment that you talked about before, Brett, I'm still going to not be at the level that I could. So this is where being a student is so, so important. I just want to flip the, the switch here a little bit, if we may, to say, okay, let's start thinking about those people that we're interacting with. And then, you know, for the benefit of the audience, you know, CRG teaches that we have four different dimensions, as Brad has talked about, behavioral, cognitive, affective, interpersonal harmony, and that all of us have a blend of all four, and then we have different intensities, and that's what's unique about our model because we really reveal to you what your intensity level, because you, Brad and I could have the same letters, one with more intensity to the other, and that has influence, meaning, you know, these characteristics, or traits or desires if I'm a customer, the higher the number, the more that that's going to be prevalent for me. So if we flip this around, I'm saying, okay, I'm, I'm selling to an individual who's a behavioral like Brad, like me. One of the things we want to uh, be aware of, we can as customers potentially be intimidating, right, Brad? Absolutely. It's the one thing that I hear back from uh, salespeople in the field or sales managers talking about the salespeople is that the behavioral style when they go in can sometimes uh, burn deals, as they would describe it. And I say, why? And they say, because they're too forceful. And that's the intimidation thing. And rather than being intimidated, here's the, the, the reality of the, the behavioral or the direct or the person that really has, uh, that could be called forceful, is that they, for the most part, already know what they want. They have a pretty good clear, uh, clarity about it. They're looking for somebody who's competent, who is fast-paced, who will give them the answers, and really they're looking for a value proposition, and they'll give you your business. And a lot of times, if I'm sheepish, if I am withdrawn as a salesperson, if I don't show and stand in confidence, then the behavioral person will ditch you. And so a lot of times, if we don't act on, you know, asking for the order or saying, well, listen, Brad, are, you know, it sounds like you're in a hurry. Are you, is this something that you'd want to move on um, today? And, you know, I'm not trying to do the today close. I'm just kind of clarifying with you. Is this something that's going to work? I said, well, well, of course. And so you're looking for that competence, but you're also looking for somebody who's going to respect my time. And so salespeople, if I'm a cognitive the salesperson selling to a B, and I'm trying to go through all the details, and I'm trying to show you all the data, you're going to lose this person. They're gone. They're, they're, they're history. Because there, there's a thing that we say, and why don't you sell the way that I buy? For some people, you need to ask for the order or really proceed to the order process today. For other people, you don't. Uh, you just need to know the difference. And so what is the pace of the person who's purchasing? And so anything you want to add to that, Brad, as far as me being the behavioral purchaser as a, a tip that you have for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, just, just to back up one step, um, you, you did mention the fact that, you know, this won't do all the work for you, style, and um, the understanding of style. And, you, and you, you're so right that they, this is one piece of the, uh, the mix in terms of developing a great presentation that, that, moves person, that moves people to buy. But the other thing you taught me back seven years ago is you said that style is also not an excuse. And that's stuck with me ever since. In, an, mm. in other words, you know, we don't, we don't blame style for the fact that we're intimidating. We don't blame style because we've got so much detail. You know, we, we, we've got to be aware of style and make the changes. 
And, and, and that's really where we take personal responsibility for our own performance. So I think it's a really important point to make that you taught me, and that is it's just not an excuse to start with. Now, let me just, let me just quickly go on to the, the idea of behavioural, as you mentioned. Behavioural styles are really interesting because, you know, you, you and I discussed this when I was in, uh, in Vancouver about the idea that being a behavioural salesperson, how intimidating sometimes you can be. But the behavioural buyer, I mean, you talk about talking to a behavioural buyer being a behavioural myself, I love talking to behavioural buyers. And the reason why is because I know where I stand. Mm. I mean, they're going to tell me straight out. <laughs> you I know what, Brad? Like I don't like you. Time. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate you okay. sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, if you're talking about interpersonal salespeople, if they're getting that response from a behavioural, they might be mortally wounded. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Just tell me yes or no. Because if we come from the law of abundance, Ken, there are plenty of opportunities mm. out there. So if we take that law of abundance, we don't mind. Behavioral, thank you for your time today. I'm moving on because I've got plenty of other people to see. But you're right. They'll give you a direct response. The fastest sale I ever made when I was selling executive diaries and promotional products was around 12 minutes with a behavioral buyer. I still remember it here in Melbourne. 12 minutes. This guy more or less wrote a check. Well, he actually passed me platinum amex at the time um and you know for fifteen thousand dollars for some products from me and uh, i remember his parting comment at the end he said so how much will that be and i and i thought boy i'm just give him a number right now because this guy's ready to go he's, he's ready to buy and i said that'll be um you know sixteen thousand three hundred and twenty dollars or else he said okay here's my platinum amex charge it today now what's my price and I thought, there's a behavioural talking. You know, they, they just know what they want. They go for the jugular. And, uh, and they're good to work with because you don't waste your time. The other thing is, is that, Brad, they can be very loyal. One thing, you know, the competence and time, once they find somebody they trust in your trusted advisor kind of framework, uh, they will be lo- loyal as long as you're still competent and you still deliver. So you can count on them. Because you know what, going around and finding a bunch of other people, yeah, they might shop you or whatever, but at the same time, they just, they just couldn't be bothered. They just need to save that time because time is the number one thing that they value. So, I mean, that, yeah, that's very, very important as part of it. Can, can I have one more comment to that, Ken? Sure. Um, behaviorals, I've found too, are um, a couple of quick things. One is that they are unbelievable for giving you referrals. Uh, they they really can be the master of giving you referrals if you ask uh, nicely of them simply because th- there's a part of this. One is that they actually, if they do like you, they will be loyal, like you said. But the second thing is too, that by giving you a referral into someone else they know, it actually gives them a bit of significant rub. In other words, they're a benefit. They're, they're getting a benefit themselves of the fact that they know you and they know the person you're referring to and they can connect the two together. And that actually feeds their ego in a little bit of a way too. So I think behaviorals are really interesting from the point of view of longevity, but also referrals. Mm, I, I absolutely agree. And especially, you know, if you build a long-term relationship, but I'm thinking about one of my clients now, there's two very large contracts that we have secured as a result of a high B client that I have who we have really become friends over that time. It's not that they don't have feelings. <laughs> I mean, you do, you do have a heart, uh, Brad. I know, I know <laughs> But it's just that, you know, we're in a rush. We got things that were going on. And so it's just, you know, again, it's, sometimes it's not easy not to be intimidated by them, especially if they're really, really in the high bead mode. But on the long term, they're going to buy from somebody, and it might as well be you.
You know, we have only about uh, 10 minutes left, so let's quickly go through the other uh, three dimensions if we want, <clears throat> uh, Brad, as far as some of the buying style sort of cues, but also what's important to them. So if we think the affective expressive, which is also ex extroverted in our <clears throat> model, excuse me, I mean, they really want to have fun. They want to enjoy. They, they are tactile. So if you are a you know, a tangible product, they really kind of need to sit in it, need to touch it, whatever it might be uh, is part of it. And they really want to enjoy uh, the process. So, you know, being stern, being um, lacking energy, lacking sort of engagement. And they could actually have all kinds of stories that have nothing to do with the product. And so you really need to be patient for that. You really need to kind of engage that and ask them the stories and, and, and really work with them in that way. What, what are some of the insights that you have gained, uh, Brad, around the affect of expressive purchaser? I find this a fascinating star. And, and the reason why is because they, you hit the nail on the head, energy is a great word. I think the effective expression style is, is someone who just loves to be around people. They're uh, extrovert by nature, but they just, they just love the energy of the sale. And so if you can be likable, trustworthy, upbeat, motivated, pumped, all those things because you're mirroring what they're giving you, you can have a very, very nice rapport-building conversation because they, they actually kind of like working with people they like. They like to be around people they like, but they also um, will get off topic <laughs> so yeah. as the salesperson you better be able to be flexible enough to be go to be able to go where they want to go talking about things that are unrelated but then to be skilled at bringing them back to the point you want to make and this is the this is the difference between again operational salespeople and trusted advisors trusted advisors get this they say okay how do i bring this person back we've been talking about this totally unrelated subject for the last 10 or 12 minutes in the business to business sales process in my world now i need to bring them back to the conversation i'm having about our product our solution our price our bundle i need to find a way of doing that that doesn't offend them but makes them feel as if this is part of the conversation we're having. Absolutely. And the other thing is that these individuals, a lot of times, I always joke, you know, they go into an electronic store looking for a 9-volt battery, and they come out with a 60-inch, uh, 70-inch, whatever centimeter size TV. So, I mean, they can be spontaneous. They get engaged. They come in with one, and then they are the shiny object kind of buyer. So part of the, part of the gift around or the skill around it, as you said, is to, is to really give them openness, but it's still at the same time keep guiding them and keep leading them towards that net result. And then the other one is, is they tend not to be conscious about time. So you have to be aware of a lot of times they could actually bundle themselves in a corner where they're chatting with you, Brad. So, oh, man, I'm 15 minutes late for another appointment. I've got to go. And so just being conscious, aware that their, their connection to time is less formal than others in that it might have some implications in the process. So just be conscious of that, Brad. You know, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate that. You know, when we, we've had some discussion, I mean, did you have a, um, a timeline where you needed to be out of here today or whatever, or our meeting, whatever, when did you want us to be done by? Whatever words work for that process, just so that you have some consciousness. You would do that with any buyer, but you would also maybe want to do it a little bit more so that you can bring the discipline or the structure to the process because they, for the most part, if they're very high, they won't bring that to the process. 
Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to add one thing to that, Ken. I think your, your summary is superb. But the, the other thing I was just going to say is as a, as a trusted sales leader and in a sales team working with sales people, I think this style can actually be a really challenging style to manage. Because uh, if you've got a salesperson who is very much of this style, you know they can be late to appointments. They can be messy with their paperwork. Uh, they can be someone who has great intentions but doesn't always do what they say they will. Mm. So I hear this a lot from trusted sales leaders, sales managers who go, "Geez, managing this person is really, really challenging." Uh, I can understand that. I, I we have some that are close around us that I know, and just. <sighs> Part of, if, if you have a lot of A in your profile and you're a sales professional, Brad and I are not saying that you can't be successful. But one of the words that really has to come to bear to you and that the sales manager needs to develop in that person is the D word, which is the word standing for discipline. So whatever structure, even though A's don't like structure, what, what methodology, what routine, what structure – can you as an A professional, you as a, as a sales manager, can you bring to bear so that this person can be successful? Because they are liked. They are great networkers. They, are, they know a lot of people. So if you sell an A person, they know a lot of people. So you can uh, probably get a lot of referrals from them too. The only thing is, is probably, as you said earlier, and I've never really thought about this before till now, Brad, is that the referrals from A's won't maybe be as, as solid as the behavioral because A's know everybody lightly and not necessarily as deep. So they'll they'll refer everybody they know, not everybody they know well. Yeah, they just know a lot of people, you're right, and and they could be um, associates, they could be people they've met once that they believe are great friends of theirs. I just want to clean up one thing that, you know, I obviously said about the A's that, you know, you need to be conscious as a sales manager of how you um, manage them, but just to give the other flip on this, because it, it needs to be a balanced conversation, is that, you know, A's are amazing people. I mean, they are, the ability, they just go into a room, they light it up. They uh, they start the conversation with a buyer where some people just hate doing things like cold canvassing. These guys will just go out and do it. They'll, they'll mm. talk to people. They'll they'll engage people. If I'm going to run a, a product demonstration night or a, or a seminar, you want these people at the front desk. You want them in there meeting people and, and getting people excited. They, they are unbelievable salespeople at the front end. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I do say this in the sessions. I always say it is that, you know, there's no style that's better than another. They are simply different. And the reality is it doesn't matter what your selling style is, is that, you, that every style has related strengths and what we call difficulties or challenges. And we're just trying to frame them out for you today as far as what does that mean? And when we say sales, this can apply to anything in life. It applies to me as a manager. You know, I'm working in customer service or any kind of role or responsibility or as a parent. It's all the same thing. You know, when we think about the cognitive analysis uh, buyer, you know, one of the things, Brad, and this is, I would say that this is the style, and then you have C in your profile. So, uh, and you can speak to this in a moment, is that uh, as sales professionals, I would say that this is the buyer that most frustrates sales professionals because the C need for information, the C need for detail, and the C pace, which is much uh, less and not as intense as the affective or the behavioral, can be, if I don't have patience, if I haven't developed that patience, can actually 
really be quite trying for the average salesperson? What's your experience been? Well, I, I have a really interesting take on this one because, yes, you're right, I do have cognitive as my second style in my profile with a, a fair bit of, um, uh, a fair bit of uh, cognitive in my style. There's no doubt about that. But I also find it, oh, I did find it very, very frustrating in being a uh, promotional products, diaries and, um, and stationary uh, sales manager and salesperson in my other life in talking to cognitive buyers. <laughs> so I found it really frustrating. And, and, and the, the thing that I think you, the point you're making about the, the level of detail, it did, did frustrate me to the point where I sort of went, well, is this really worth me now investing this amount of time in this buyer when I've got other people out there who may be able to make quicker decisions so I can move on? And so, you know, sometimes I think, you know, I was either conscious or unconsciously making these decisions about whether or not, you know, I was being, um, whether, I was whether it was time wasting or whether it was high um, maintenance for a low value return. And so the cognitive buyer is someone you, you have to take patience with. But boy, there may be a great payday there. There may be, uh, you know, a relationship that will last for a long time because you've built trust with them if you can get beyond the fact that they do need proposal after proposal, uh, presentation after presentation, tweak after tweak with their pricing, things like that. Um, you know, if you can get past that, you can develop a really nice relationship there. Well, one of the backstops to that, Brad, is that they're going to buy from somebody. Might as well be you if they're going to get a product at all. So part of what Brad just said for the listeners is that we really need to respect their desire and quest for information. Because one of the things that's important to them, they want to make a quality decision. They're more conscious than any other style to vet through all these options. They are more detailed-oriented at looking at the options. The high B guy didn't even, that gave you the platinum card, he didn't even look at the proposal. Just tell me what it is, and then here's my card. The C would read all the lines and then all the small lines on the agreement. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But you have to be prepared as a salesperson or professional or anybody for that matter that that's what they need, that's what they require. And the last thing that you want to do with this person is show frustration or put pressure on them around this quest for information. Give it up because you'll blow the sale straight there. Being patient is the, uh, the words, you know, take the time. Uh, if you're going to go and do an appointment with a cognitive buyer, make sure that you add on that extra 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, depending on what uh, the length of the usual sales appointment is. But, you know, allow the time because if you don't, you're, you're going to blow it for sure. And we'll come into interpersonal. Just one more comment there is that because we also teach learning styles, the cognitive analysis purchaser or somebody who has that in their profile, they learn through their eye gate, not through their ears. So whenever you can show them, not just tell them, it will anchor whatever you are communicating to them. I don't care who it is or what it is. It's going to be, become way more relevant for them. So just make sure that if you do have the input that can go through their eye gate, then do uh, provide that for them. Don't withhold that. And then finally, Brad, we get to interpersonal harmony. You know, and the individuals, these are the really nice individuals, nice customers. They come in. Uh, one of the things is that they can be uh, hesitant. And one of the other characteristics that's part of them is that they actually are vague. They can come in and, not, and be unsure of what they want. And one of the motivating factors, not always because we're using generalized statements, is that they're really looking for a trusted advisor, uh, quote-unquote Brad Tanini's program, uh, for as a person to help them to make the right decision. 
So they're firstly looking for a relationship. They can, because they are interpersonal harmony individuals, they can smell, pardon the pun here, uh, insincerity immediately. You know, if you're blowing smoke, if you're trying to kind of manipulate me, uh, these individuals can see through it immediately that you are not interested in them. What would be some other comments you would add to that, Brad? Well, I, I really enjoy uh, working with this style either as a salesperson or uh, for people who are then the buyers for the salesperson. And I think the interpersonal to me is someone who is all heart. And, uh, and, and as I see them, um, first in a sales role, they are all heart in the relationship they develop with their clients and they are the true trusted advisor, the person who's the go-to person to help solve my problems in business because you are the person who has always worked with me and I, and, and, and I need your help. And so that's great from a salesperson point of view. From a buyer point of view, when I work with salespeople and talk about the interpersonal style and who they're going to go out and see in the, in the, in the field, I often say, you know, again, you know, take, take a bit of time, but also talk in terms of the heart. Talk in terms of what you can do for them, how you can make their life easier, uh, how you can lower their risk in a lot of ways, but also um, how we work together as a team. I, I always think about it as great team players, uh, as people who are, you know, want to be um, valued in the organization, but also a, a, a team conversation you're having with the, with the salesperson, that we are actually working together on this. And sometimes they will enlist your help as a salesperson to help them with a real problem they've got. And it may be that they've got a problem internally that they need your help with to be able to get this proposal that you're putting to the interpersonal through to the, the board or the management team. And they'll actually have a really good conversation with you about how we can do that together. You know, how, how can you help me to do this? So I just find this, this, this style a wonderful style in terms of heart, the fact that they, um, they're very practical, but they're also people who just really um, like to be valued. And, uh, and I think that mm -hmm. we just need to take our time here again and understand that they are a, a typically introvert by nature, um, but they are, uh, you know, they're full of heart and they're, they're people we just need to get involved in their lives and understand a bit more about them. The other, last point I just want to make, Ken, is that as, a, as an interpersonal buyer, I find that I spend as much time or have spent as much time on their family on their feelings about things, on their hobbies. When I develop that, that deeper relationship with them, they, are, they, they pour out to me and we have a great conversation when you get beyond mm -hmm. just the surface. The word that really comes up is care. So they really have a caring, like you said, a caring spirit. Now in the CRG model, which is kind of would be unique and if everybody wants to kind of go online or Brad go to your site we'll make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you at the end of the show is uh, well, I just lost my train of Shaw's thought there is that um, oh man where to go Brad so, <laughs> okay. it, was, it, was, it was a brilliant idea I know it was I know it was but one of the things I want to challenge with interpersonal harmony people I know it is is they really have the gift of compassion the other thing is is that they are more people-oriented than the affective expressive people because they're the opposite of being self-centered. They really defer to other people first. And so that's why they're so loyal. That's why they're so reliable is because they really want to serve other people. So from a sales point of view, a sales professional, then that's what they'll do. From a customer point of view, you really need to honor all the people. 
And I know we're getting a little bit over time on our show, but I need to tell this story quickly. I, when I worked in the auto industry, there was an individual had uh, sold this minivan uh, to this couple. And the couple came later in the afternoon to take delivery of the van after they prepped it, and they brought their 12-year-old daughter. And so the sales rep went into presenting the van, all the different uh, features, how to operate, all that kind of stuff. And then in Canada, they go into the business office to finalize the paperwork, deposit, all those kinds of things they need to do. And the father went into the business office and took the contract and ripped it up and drove away, Brad. And I know the sales professional, very nice man, very uh, professional, but he, he missed a major component. Interpersonal harmony buyers but he did not include the 12-year-old in his presentation. And so one of the things that happens with interpersonal harmony individuals, how you treat others is equal to or greater importance to them on how you treat them. So the credibility is that I see, Brad, your quality of an individual when I'm watching you and you're not dealing with me directly. And so just be very aware of that. Sometimes you can lose a sale that you need to be inclusive. There could be one individual as a couple comes in or business partners that's dominating the conversation, Mr. High B, Brad, or Ken. In the interpersonal harmony person, they're not saying anything, but guess what? They have veto power, and you have not been including them, even though this other person has been the center of attention. So that is where we are gifted, and we craft the conversation to be inclusive because the, that's where these people come from, and they will be very loyal to you. The other side that is unfortunately true as interpersonal harmony buyers is that a lot of times they won't be forthcoming with their concerns because they hate conflict. So you might, I might ask you, Brad, how's it going? Or I might ask my sales team, and you have interpersonal harmony people around the table, any concerns, guys, with uh, our promotion? And you hear nothing. Well, hearing nothing doesn't mean they don't have issues. They just were not going to mention any kind of conflict in front of the group. So you have to be conscious of that as a sales leader as well, that interpersonal harmony individuals are extremely private. They're one-on-one kind of coaching people. These are not people that you would coach in a large group successfully. At least that's been my experience. One thing that you just made me think of with interpersonals is that um, they can easily go to FOG, F-O-G, FOG. And uh, what I mean by that is that in the sales process, when you're talking to an interpersonal buyer, if they don't want to confront the fact that they're not going to go ahead with you, chances are the communication goes very, very foggy where you can't get them on the phone, you can't get them personally, and you mm. find it very, very hard to get them on the email. And then you'll get that email maybe 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. You'll turn your computer on the next morning and there's the email from them saying, we've considered all options, we've looked at all the vendors available to us, we've had a look at the proposals, and I'm sorry, on this particular occasion, we're not going with your business, but rest assured, we'll keep your details on our system. Now, that, that's the sort of response you can get because you're right, they hate confrontation. So you better tease that sort of stuff out reasonably early if you can in a really caring way so they feel comfortable discussing it with you. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we have uh, taken pretty well all our time, Brad. Uh, any last uh, tidbits that you would, uh, and then we'll get your details, about um, just insights to say, okay, if I want to be successful at influencing, communicating with others, and really helping people to buy my ideas or my stuff or whatever, what would be your uh, tidbit of wisdom for our listeners today? 
Well, my my uh, positioning and my my work in the market has been all about being the trusted advisor. And in being the trusted advisor, I think we've got to have a, a fine reputation that you've got to do what you say you will, uh, being congruent all the time with your buyer in terms of uh, what it is you do, but then also making sure that you uh, honour that and you're consistent with them. You follow up. Uh, you make a promise. You stick to it. You have great communication clarity they're all attributes of being a great trusted advisor over operational salesperson I've, I've, I've absolutely loved our conversation today and and the, and the one thing that were well, two things that keep coming up um, in our conversation that reminded me of our first meeting Ken was that you know number one is that you know this is not an excuse for for, for certain behavior it's, a, it's about understanding it understanding your style the style of the buyer blending to create more value a better relationship a, a trusted advisor relationship but the second the second point I want to make, and the last point, is is really about the fact that, you know, as a trusted advisor, um, there is no one style that is the best salesperson. Um, that's the most common question I ask when I do this work, Ken, in groups, mm. is people will come up to me straight away and say, have I got the right style to be a great salesperson? And I often say, there is no one style. I've had people who have been great product specialists who have been high cognitive salespeople. I've had many people who have been great independent personal salespeople who just have wonderful relationships ongoing and have a customer for 20 years. Some great high-performing salespeople who are behavioral, who get the job done. They're great results-based salespeople. And also uh, the expression people who are very much the you know, life of the party, the door opener. So every style plays a role in terms of how to create growth in sales in your organization. Not one style is the style of a salesperson. And the last point that you, you taught me very, very early too was that we are a blend of all styles. So let's not be concerned so much about, you know, we had to talk in general, generalities today to get through the uh, the content and the, and the conversation. But, you know, when we teach this, it's about the fact that we are a blend and honoring a blend and knowing that one person is not one pigeonhole style. So um, mm. thank you. I've really enjoyed it today. Well, thank you, Brad, for coming. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you or find out about your work, you are down under in Australia, but you do get into North America periodically. And, you know, this, the secret that we'll, we'll make public is that you do have a relative that lives uh, in Vancouver, not uh, 60 minutes from my location. So uh, you have had uh, the odd visit to North America. I think it's almost been annual, has it not? Yeah, I get to Vancouver probably two years out of three, and I go to the National Speakers Association Conference in the U.S. Uh, pretty much most years. So I'm, I'm over that way pretty much every year, and uh, very, very blessed to have my brother and uh, sister-in-law and their, their boys uh, living in Vancouver, and uh, wow, what a great city. Well, well, it is. We're taking care of them. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Brad, and they are down in uh, the southern sort of part of the world, uh, how would they get a hold of you? The easiest way, website, bradtonini.com. Can you spell that out for us? T-O-N, sorry, B-R-A-D-T-O-N-I-N-I dot com. Awesome, Brad. And, uh, you'll, you'll get me. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Uh, you know, as uh, I will call us colleagues and friends, we've had lunch in uh, North Vancouver overlooking the ocean, and so <laughs> we've been connected there. And, you know, thank you for all the great work that you're doing down there, really to help bring sort of professional aspect to it, and also just the support of the CRG tools. So thank you, uh, Brad, for being with us today. That's a pleasure, Ken. And, you know, um, everybody that's listening, you know, if, when we think about influencing others, 
you know, style is one piece that comes into play. And if you don't know about it, then get to know about it. It, it is a critical, critical piece to awareness, to be intentionality, to be able to change other people's lives, but also to really to help influence in yours to be successful in whatever the context might be. And so if you want to find out more, go to bradtonini.com and how Brad and his trusted advisor programs could serve you. And as we say every show, you know, thank you for listening. And if you like the content, you know, share it, pass it on to other people, tell other people. We really appreciate that. And give us some comments about how we might be able to serve you in the future, as well as comments just for Brad and said about, you know, that tidbit really, really did help me. Well, I thank you for listening to Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.